Kuroi Hawkins is with us. He is RNZ's Pacific News Editor. Morena, welcome. Hola. Let's begin, please, with uh, politics in Vanuatu. What has happened in Vanuatu? Excuse me. What has happened with the no confidence motion? Yeah, so we're just um, waiting for our parliament to kick off today. The Prime Minister Sato Kilman's only been in place for less than a month, and he's had a leadership challenge against him. The numbers have been really close in the parliament, so it's been flip-flopping between 20, 27, 24, and back and forth between the government and opposition. In the last week, the opposition's gained the support of a couple of MPs, and there's been a court case that's held up uh, one of the government MPs being vacated. So it's not looking good for Santo Kilman. Uh, at this point, uh, if he is ousted today, uh, we'll have had four prime ministers in three years in Vanuatu, so a lot of instability. What's happening? Is it inter-party... Instability is it within party instability? What's causing this? There's nothing that locks MPs. There is legislation, I think, that's been um, put forward but hasn't been passed that would lock MPs into parties. So they're pretty much free agents, although they they operate in blocks. So the MPs are kind of being wooed back and forth across the floor based on what they can get out of being in a particular camp. Yeah. So um, even before this lot of instability, there was actually a snap election because of a leadership challenge. So it's been um, chronic. I think talking to our uh, our person on the ground, Ile Bule, in Avila, he says people of the, the ordinary, everyday Nivanuatuns have just become used to there being squabbling going on at, at the upper levels. But we've also heard from Transparency um, Vanuatu that it's affecting morale in the public service. There's people that are feeling a bit disgruntled, not turning up for work, and affecting ongoing actually getting anything done in terms of development and projects uh, that the government are supporting in the country. So that's interesting. It's had a previous long-serving Prime Minister from memory. Does it sometimes depend on the strength of the personality, how much these dynamics play out? Or Yeah, the personality has a big, big part to play. Usually usually the the leaders that are able to sort of rally people around them and have a, a strong vision tend to stand. It's you, I think sometimes coming out of the election, if a, if a larger party gets a lot of votes and then it's a bit more stable, if you get a big block, uh, one party actually having a big block and only having to have a few coalition partners. So so it is it is dependent on, on that sway, yeah, very much so. All right. In, uh, so what's happening with a pair of Chinese scam artists and a great idea they have for... <laughs> A Pacific Atoll. This sounds like quite a tale. Yes, no, this is this is um, a, a bit of long, long form, really investigative journalism journalism that's come from the um, OCCRP, which is a, which is a investigative uh, unit that's been operating in the Pacific recently. They did the Grace Road expose. So this one, a pair of um, Chinese scam artists who've actually managed to get. Marshallese passports, and so are actually Marshall Islands residents have um, um, been. They started off grifting a miracle water cure, and they've been promoting it and trying to get in and shake hands with big UN people. So they've been bribed their way into the upper halls of the UN, um, but then also tried to bribe Marshall Islands politicians and set up a basically a city in next to a US military base in the Marshall Islands. And so uh, th- this, this expose sort of come through and really found out 
how much they've done. They paid about a million dollars to have access and stand next to really big UN peeps and get the photos to support their sort of campaign. Um, but the where it is now is these two scammers, um, Karihan and Gina Zoe, have been. Uh, one has already been deported back to the Marshall Islands and, and one is due to be. So following their, um, what locals in the Marshall Islands will be dealing with with them coming back in, the um, president of, uh, former president of the Marshall Islands, uh, Hild Heine, said their attempt was unconstitutional and actually nearly caused a big rift in her country at the time. So, yeah, quite, I spoke with Aubrey Belford, uh, the Pacific uh, lead editor for the OCCRP, and he said, yeah, it's been a, a work over uh, s- several months involving Pacific newsrooms as well in the Marshall Islands, and so um, some really great work there that we're seeing this week. Indeed, amazing work, uh, and quite a, a, literally this time, a conspiracy in effect, it seems, or, or certainly uh, going to, as you say, right to the to the, the depths of the, of the UN, the very centre of the UN. Amazing work by those journalists. France will be coming to French Polynesia decolonisation meetings at the UN. Is this the first for a very long time? Yeah, for decades. Um, every time the UN Decolonisation Committee got to the French Polynesia agenda, the French delegates would just leave the room and there'd be an empty empty name card basically sitting there. So what we've had in the recent times is the election of Mortai Brotherson, who's a... It comes from a pro-independence party in French Polynesia, but has a very measured sort of message in terms of believing in a peaceful pathway to decolonization through a referendum and has um, had, had had kind of a, the ear of the French president for a while. And so he's he's managed to secure an actual sitting of the French delegates at the UN in the French Polynesia um, meeting. But unfortunately, the, the message is pretty much still the same, that they don't see, France doesn't see that French Polynesia should even be on the decolonization list. And they even made comparisons that their situation was different to New Caledonia's situation, which we're currently dealing with at the moment. And uh, the difference between the two is that New Caledonian, Ephelenkes, indigenous peoples got a document and an agreement, the Numea Accord, actually put in the French constitution that's a pathway to decolonization. But even there, they've had problems after three no votes in referendums. So what happens at these meetings? Are they very structured? Are there speaking rights for the likes of... For for all parties or what? Yes, so yeah, so the obviously the the French had their say. Um, they had a senior uh, minister there, uh, senior delegate there to have their say, and then there were forty French Polynesian um, delegates that were, that were there to to have their say. But he, the senior person, actually got up and left, so they were a bit disappointed that after. They had their say. They left a junior person in in place to talk about these things. So um, the. The Tavini Huiratira Party was represented, members of civil society, the local Maohi Protestant Church, as well as nuclear veterans, which is another uh, difference between French Polynesia and New Caledonia, that there is a French Pacific nuclear weapons testing legacy in French Polynesia. Let's talk about the rugby. It looks like it's 73-0 All Blacks over Uruguay, which uh, is probably... A little bit less of a score. You shouldn't complain about that, but a little bit less of a score than people might have anticipated, especially after that um, hiding they gave uh, Italy, reaching the 90s. 
so anyway, that's the result for the All Blacks just walking off the field as we speak, Koroi. Our Pacific teams, where are they at? Update us with where they're at in their World Cup campaigns. Yeah, so of the three, two are now officially out. Um, Manu Samoa and uh, Ikaletahi Fotonga are both on their way out. Manu Samoa still has something to play for, though. Um, they can get automatic qualification for the 2027 competition, but they need to finish third in their pool. So they're playing England Sunday morning um, in in our time. And so they've got something that they're fighting for. Tonga uh, are going for their only, hoping for their only win in the, in the competition against Romania. So playing for pride. They've had a tough pool, obviously. Um, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, all, all tier one nations. Um, it's Fiji that we're watching, though. Um, they still have, they're still in the running for the quarterfinals and have a good shot. They've got Portugal on Monday. Um, Australia's on 11 points in the table. Fiji's on 10 points. Um, so there's a few ways they can go through. Uh, win, obviously, um, and they can lose. Uh, and only need one bonus point to draw level with Australia on 11, uh, but then they would go through based on the fact that they beat them in pool play. So all to, all to play for Fiji still in the competition and um, a few few interesting matches still there for the Pacific teams. Thanks so much, as always. Koroi Hawkins is RNZ uh, Pacific News Editor.